This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. You're listening to Women at Work on Business Radio. Welcome back to this special episode of Women at Work. I'm Laura Zarrow, Executive Director of Wharton People Analytics. And today I'm happy to bring you another installment in our series, Reframe, Voices of Change. We're celebrating the bravery, creativity, and tenacity of the game-changing women in the entertainment industry. This is my conversation with director Brenda Chapman, which took place at the Sundance Film Festival. Brenda remains the only woman to direct an animated film from a major studio, Pixar's Prince of Egypt and Brave, and was at Sundance to premiere her first live action film, Come Away. So I must confess, I'm an art school graduate. Ah. So I'm particularly interested in your journey from the moment when you entered CalArts mm -hmm. and became an animator and how you moved from being a storyteller to being a leader and a director. So talk to me about where in that arc of your career you started to want to lead. Wow. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, when I realized that I had a slightly different voice than a lot of other people around me at, at CalArts even, um, when I got there, I was one of five women in a class of 34, I think. And uh, <clears throat> the films that I did weren't necessarily gag-driven or, you know, but I'm bumped, you know, <laughs> kind of things. Um, so my final film there was actually quite um, a little sad little piece, which um, everyone there tried to talk me out of. They all, well, you could put a gag here, you could do the, <laughs> and, and uh, but I stuck to my guns and that difference was what got me noticed at Disney. And they hired me as a, a trainee, um, which has its own other story I can tell you later about. But I, I think because I went in even there with a slightly different point of view because mm -hmm. I was the only woman in the story department when they hired me um, I I was listened to a little bit more surprisingly um, the once I got past the gatekeeper which was not particularly pleasant <laughs> saying I was uh, hired because I was a woman and and I you know if I didn't work out I was cheap because I was fresh out of school they could get rid of me in six weeks you know what a way to make you feel welcome oh, and yeah. included mm -hmm. but um but once I get in all the men that I worked with and I was extremely lucky I realized later in life I just thought oh you know great they were so open to having me there and open to listening to my ideas and open. And, and I am so grateful for that. I had several male mentors that were just so generous with their time and their talent. So I was encouraged to be a leader. I was encouraged to speak up. I was encouraged to give a different opinion. So when I felt comfortable, I, I asked, I said, hey, I, I think I could be a head of story. I think I could run the story department, you know, and be, and um, the film that I ended up heading up on was Lion King. I think and, a few of us have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that really um, made me feel good uh, that, that I could lead it. It gave me that confidence that 
okay, I know how to, to help people do the best they can. I sort of, I'm sort of a shepherd leader in that sense. I try to get people to, to bring their best foot forward. And that's uh, kind of lead from behind in a weird way <laughs> in that sense. There's but, nothing weird about it. It's actually <laughs> a really powerful way to do it. But uh, so that's, that's where I started. And I want to back up a little bit because there are few things that you mentioned in here mm -hmm. that I think are important to note and I want to unpack just a little bit. Um, that experience when you were in art school mm -hmm. of having a whole community want to tell a certain type of story and that A, you had your own vision and you had the courage, the sense of self to say, no, I'm not going to bend. Mm -hmm. How hard was that? Mm -hmm. And or did that come naturally to you, this ability to hear your own voice and hold on to it? Um, it was a little hard because I do like to please. And so uh, when my, even my teachers were saying, oh, put a gag in, put it, you know. Uh, but yet I knew the story I wanted to tell. And I had um, a few friends and honestly, I was dating my future husband. And he encouraged me to, to stick to my guns because he was able to see what I was trying to do. And I've always appreciated that. That's probably why I married him. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think my siblings would say I was always a stubborn child. <laughs> I'm the youngest of five. So they'd say I was spoiled and always got my way. So okay, well, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where, where that lands in there. But. Well, I have to say, as we've been interviewing a number of really accomplished women like yourself, it's an exciting thing to see and I think noteworthy for um, the girls that we're raising and the women who are coming up through the workplace to hear that um, believing in yourself seemed like it was a core part of what put you on your path. Yeah. Talk to me about that dynamic of leading, about how you established being, I like that you were the shepherd keeper. It's a wonderful phrase that I haven't <laughs> heard before. Um, and why you adopted that way of leading? Um, was it that it was more comfortable or it was a conscious decision with the goal of helping people be their best selves? <clears throat> I, I think it was just sort of the natural way I went at it um, because each of my team of story artists had a strength, you know, and, and we would cast them onto each scene um, because of that strength. So if they started to doubt themselves or they were struggling, I would try to push them to, to use their strength. And so that was just sort of how it went. And honestly, I, I feel, um, I'm also someone, it's like I, I've worked with department heads or leaders who just will take it away and do it themselves or just tell you exactly how to do it, where I feel that, well, that person is better at that than I am, so they should run with that, you know, <laughs> and they <laughs> right. just need to be encouraged to run with that. So, so that, and I, and I took that also into being a director, um, is that, you know, I am here to keep the whole in my head and, and to keep it on track. But that layout artist knows how to do layout. I don't know how to do layout, so they should do it, and I'm just trying to keep them on a path. So, so it's, it's a matter of, of, of encouraging people's strength. That's, that's my How approach. do you um, <clears throat> inform yourself and educate yourself so that you can have that productive dialogue with people who are on your team, mm -hmm. but expert in something that you're not. 
Um, well, <laughs> I ask them. It's uh, if if I'm you know I understand the general concept of it, but if I'm struggling to under that I need to know a little bit more to be able to give. I ask them, tell me more. Tell tell me what I should be looking at specifically. I mean, a specific example was in um, Prince of Egypt, and uh, I was with three directors, Simon Wells, Steve Hickner, and I, and we split the film up by department. Um, we stayed together on story and animation, which is the acting, so that the, the creative vision was all the same. But then we split up. I got visual effects and background, the colors of the background. Simon took uh, layout and, um, and uh, Steve took a, a cleanup and other departments, but I hadn't done VFX before. So I, I'm looking at this screen and it's hand drawn and I have a character there and there's this squiggly line just going crazy over here. And, and, and this, so, so what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking at. <laughs> I'm just, I'm looking at this line and my eyes are starting to go cross-eyed. And, and I said, what, what am I supposed to do? Oh, 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 sorry. They, you know, they were so nice. And it was Don Paul, lovely gentleman. He goes, you just need to look at this tiny line that's right on the edge of the character. It's a rim light. And we just want to make sure that it looks the way you want it to look. And so I was able to go, okay, ignore that and just focus on that little thing. And... Um, and it was, just, it was just very simple, but I had no idea. It's very simple, but it's very potent. Yeah. Um, our listeners are people who work in a range of industries, and it's often hard for people to encourage innovation, particularly in areas that their project, their organization needs, and, it's not, and they're inventing the new. Mm -hmm. And, it's, and if I'm, I just want to reflect back to make, them, make sure I'm hearing you right, that you were presented with something that wasn't making sense to you. But mm -hmm. you asked and you gave room, pointed the person who was working with you and mm -hmm. for you to give you more clarity, right. and then you could see it and guide them. Right. Yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> so another thing that comes with this kind of, uh, with a you know, dedicated creative practice and innovation is taking a risk and making mistakes and mm -hmm. doing it again. <clears throat> how did you learn to do that in your own creative life and how do you calibrate that on set and on the films that you're making so that there is that creative development mm -hmm. and yet you also stick to a budget and stick to a schedule? Right, well, um, Come Away being my first live action, it was, it was pretty difficult to, to 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 rally everything. Uh, in animation, I had a rapport with the people um, that I worked with, that that I'd worked with on several films, and you know. That, oh, so you were a team, a, a team that were carried over from project yeah, to project. Yeah, so I knew people. Maybe I didn't even work with them, but because they were on the project, we'd meet, have coffee, and whatever. You know, it was it was a family kind of atmosphere. People knew each other. So when I came on Come Away, I didn't know anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so I really did rely on. Um, even more so, the expert of each person. Um, and um, sometimes they were willing to share, sometimes they weren't. And when they weren't, I just had to wing it and do the best I could. And, um, you know, and that wasn't incredibly comfortable for me, but at the same time, I didn't have a choice. So I'm not gonna run and hide, I, so I, I did it. But, um, so, so, you know, I just do the best I can and try to keep things going and, and rely on the people who are the timekeepers and the, and the, the, the deep, the 
the bean counters, the bean counters, <laughs> the the um, assist, uh, my first AD, and 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 all of that to to know how to stay on track. One of the things that's in essential to making, mm -hmm. to doing high quality work anywhere, particularly in the arts, is um, learning to give and receive criticism. Yeah. How have you um, navigated that so that you create that culture where there is criticism is given and received and put to use and that kindness is sustained? Um, when I criticize, I, I, I always, when I look at something, I always find that that there's always something to like about it. There's always one thing, and I try to start with that because then it makes that person relax because they know you're paying attention. Okay. And then when I get, when I tell them what's not working about, I give, I give them the respect of giving them a reason why. You know, and it's the same way. If someone comes to me with an idea, oh, they're all excited about it or whatever, but I don't think it works for the film, I, I thank them for it, but I tell them why I don't think it works for the film. I just don't say, eh, you know. I don't I, like I, it. Yeah, don't I don't like it. it. Forget it. You know, I've, I've, I've seen that. Um, I've seen that happen a lot, too. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, I learn from other people's mistakes. I learn from my own mistakes, you know. So, uh, so I try to counter that. So with Come Away and taking mm -hmm. on this um, kind of complex, multi-layered reimagining, Mm -hmm. um, where I have to say the ways that you brought that story to life are really remarkable, Brenda. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Im magical, immersive, and, and teetering right on that space between our imagination and make-believe. It's really beautifully done. Thank you. Um, Thank some you. scenes that I still can't get out of my mind because they're so beautiful. But for you, that was it's a that's a whole new arena to work yeah, in. Was. And you mentioned before there's you know that is new, and um, you have had to approach it tactically in a new way and also emotionally in a new way. Mm -hmm. So when you were preparing to take mm -hmm. this on, what did you do to help yourself get ready on both fronts for taking on a new kind of project and adventure? I did the best I could to ask um, how live action was done and what, you know, how, how how the camera worked and how how do you shoot footage and how does that work because in animation you pre-edit a movie so you know you, all your footage is at the beginning and you get to rework it and rework it right because so, it's so time consuming yeah. and expensive to make extra yeah yeah so so trying to be prepared for that but yeah i i just tried to rely on the team that was put together um and and we got started at such a short you know, it was sort of working with the writer and the script for, you know, on and off for a long time. And then suddenly we're go. And boom, <laughs> suddenly I was on my way to the UK. So I had actually a lot less prep time than most people have. So it was, it was fly by the seat of my pants. And I really was just counting on everyone around me. Um, some people I met for the first time when they were right there working on the first day, you know, oh so goodness. I didn't get a chance to interview as much as I would have normally been comfortable with. So, so I'm a preparer. I like to prepare. Yes. I like to make lists. I like to read things in advance. And for me, it's been part a safety net to make sure I'm doing everything I can to do as good as I can. Mm -hmm. You know, how much I could read about you so I could honor you. <laughs> um, but also out of curiosity and a sincere commitment to use the time to in an, a really effective way. Um, how do you approach preparation and when in that moment, when it's like, you know what, no, you don't have time to prepare, how do you then recalibrate? 
Um, well, I had been visually preparing for a while, just thinking about how I wanted the feel of the film, how I wanted the lighting to be. Um, and, you know, I've talked to the DP a bit about how I kind of wanted an arc with how want, uh, the beginning of the film has a different look than, Very different. than, than after a certain event in the film. And, <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I like, I put a lot of visuals around me because I'm, I'm coming from animation. That's how I've, I've always prepared just visuals, photographs of different things or movies or whatever. So I kind of just had that up and putting things up on boards and um, knowing certain films. And uh, I mean, luckily, uh, my production designer, uh, Luciana Rigi, who's... Did a spectacular job. She's amazing. But, you know, she did all the Merchant Ivory films. She did Sense and Sensibility. She did all these <laughs> films that I just loved all my life. That's you know? a bit of a resume. <laughs> so I was like, okay, just do what you do. Cause... And so she came with all this all these ideas and because I'm a visual person, I could just go great, you know, where she's used to not necessarily having someone who can draw what they want or, um, you know, uh, so the ability to communicate visually, visually for you was, it's a language yeah, that you were able to speak with her. Very helpful on, on the visual front for the film, you know, as even as our, my DP and I were sitting together, I would sketch out little rough story, Boards. Some of them were so rough. He go, I can't. I don't understand what that is. So I'd have to redraw <laughs> it. But, but, um, but yeah. So so I just relied on on my ability to to communicate visually. Now talk to me about the flip side of that. You know, yeah. it's it's go time. Surprise. <laughs> um, what's the conversation you have with yourself in a moment like that? Because you sure sure as hell know how to tell a story and deliver it in a meaningful and beautiful way. Mm -hmm. um, so what did you, what was the conversation you had to have with yourself in that moment where this is your first live action film, you don't have as much prep time, but you're going for it. Um, well, luckily, I mean, um, conversation with us like, holy shit, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, I think part of it was just trial and error in the beginning, you know, and, um, you know, my DP, uh, and my first AD really stepped up for me in the first couple of weeks, you know, just as I try to, you know, and, and we would get going, but, you know, just, it's like, oh my God, we have to do another take, you know, and, and, and how do we set up and, you know, it's, I'd be, I'd be calling cut when I should be calling reset. You know, it was just sort of the technical stuff that I was I was learning um, that that I didn't know to prep for. You know, um, I didn't understand so that. So, how did you navigate that and sustain your role as the leader? Um, well, I just was perseverant. I uh, is that a word? Uh, per uh, I persevered. Yeah. No, you either <laughs> I, word. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just kept going. I just kept trying and, you know, and, you know, we butt heads quite a bit and, and keep going. And, and that was new to me because, uh, I, I'm not a, usually a head butter, but you know, sometimes you have to. So, um, I was learning some of that, but 
in some of that headbutting. Yeah. So there are two parts of this, and I want to make sure I kind of snag them both in case, so hopefully we can cover them both. One is that going back to being the shepherd keeper, mm-hmm. it sounds like, and helping everybody do their best work, you brought a certain humility to the set by saying, I don't know how to do this, tell me. Uh-huh. And th- that was comfortable for you. It, it, it was, but I don't think it was comfortable necessarily for some of the people on the set that, that they were used to directors just being... You know, and so I think it took them a while to understand where I was coming from. Um, But it eventually. Did you see it? um, I'm going to posit two different possible reactions and tell me if it's no, it's the third. But did it frighten them because they felt like they were flying solo, or did it make them feel like because you weren't behaving in a more authoritative manner? that they could take advantage of you? I think it was a little of both. Okay. And there was a little bit of that taking advantage of that, that I, that that's where the headbutting came in. How, talk, tell me about this, because I think this is part of what I'm hearing, and I'm not surprised when I think about the humanity that's in your films, is that this seems to be part of you, and that you lead with this kindness and this collaborative spirit, which is not just you, it also, maybe coincidence happens to be a more female way of doing things <laughs> and that there are so many women who when they step into leadership roles in environments that are either new or male dominated that there's a test there's mm-hmm. a challenge and they have to establish their authority in a way they didn't want to we've heard it from multiple directors who have come in here so mm-hmm. with that headbutting how did you make your way through it um it it honestly it was not easy and it was emotional for me, and I would go home, and um, I would get up and cry in the shower a lot, <laughs> you know, and, and have a hard time sleeping. And um, so it, but I think where I got my strength was actually from my my um, actors and my, uh, the team that, that really saw where I was coming from, and I... I knew what I was doing there. So, so, so even some of the actors would suggest a, a staging, you know, a, a, you know, possibility and everything. And, and so that was helpful. It's like, okay, let's, let's try this something different. But, um, as time went on, you know, I, I started putting my stake in the ground and, and, but it was a slow process and it, and it, it could be painful at times, but, but I, I was really determined not to become that yelling, swearing person that seemed to be expected. Because that was what was expected. And that was happening on the set from other people, sometimes at me. And, you know, I just was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but I feel in the end I maintained the type of person and the type of leader that I am and was and continue to hope to be. That was film director Brenda Chapman, who spoke with me at the Sundance Film Festival. 
Women at Work in the Wharton School collaborated on this series with Reframe, a partnership between the Sundance Institute and WIF Los Angeles. I'd like to thank my fellow producers, Allison Emilio, Patty Hall, and Valerie Locascio, our interns, Sage Holt and Abby Nelson, and our sound engineers, Dion Simpkins and Chris Tooks. I'd also like to give special thanks to Angela Bostick, Scott Douglas, and Kate Massey for their ongoing support. I'm Laura Zarrow, and you've been listening to Women at Work on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.